Hello, and welcome to Sex at Every Size, a podcast about body image and sexuality. This week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. This is going to be a solo episode with just me, Cassie Wilnauer. I am one half of the whole peach here at... (laughs) Wow, that was really cheesy. Sex at Every Size. So, um, we do want to offer a disclaimer. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about our Patreon. So, I find it really important that we add value on our Patreon. Like, that's something that's really important to me. And I... Yes, obviously, like, it would be great to be getting paid for the thing that, like, you are consuming and enjoying and whatever. And, like, yes, that's awesome. But I don't find that to be, like, just an expectation in and of itself. Um, So I really do try to add value there. Um, And one way that I do that is by writing blog posts. And what those are, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I will mention it again. Those blog posts that get uploaded there are... Things that I have written, sometimes not fully formed thoughts, but like answers to little questions that have been prompted through a website called Help a Reporter Out, which you may or may not know about, but it's a website where people who are writing articles, whether they're online or even for the New York Times or something like that, journalists will go and they will say, hey, I need an expert on X, Y, and Z for, uh, you know, something about blah, blah, blah. And then... You can click on it and be like, oh, I'm an expert on that. I know things about that. Or they're looking for a therapist, so I can answer those questions. And then, you know, you go and you look at the prompts and you answer the questions and then it shoots it off an email to them. And sometimes they will choose to use your quote in their finished article and it gets published online. The benefit of doing these is that it provides backlinks to your website, which helps your SEO. That's a whole technical thing that you really don't care about. Um, (laughs) But I wrote something, someone was looking for pitches about ADHD and eating, specifically like binge eating disorder. And when I looked at that, the thing that I thought was, hmm, there are going to be a lot of people that live well within the bounds of diet culture that answer this question or these questions. And I would love to be a voice that even if the things like the even if the things that I write get quoted in such a way that do happen to perpetuate some semblance of diet culture, which in and of itself is disappointing, you know, I'm not gonna say that it isn't, but if it does get twisted that way, being the worst case scenario, at least I have answered these questions for the person who's writing this article from a health at every size and non fat phobic perspective. I feel like there's so little that we can do to change our world because change is so incremental. This is a way that like helps me maintain sanity through that process. So I just, I wrote one about ADHD and eating and some binge eating and eating disordered behaviors. And I wanted to read some, I probably won't read the whole thing, but I wanted to read some highlights out of that. Um, One, so that you can get an example of what you get when you um, subscribe to our Patreon, but also just so that you can see examples of how you can find ways in your everyday life and your work tasks and your, you know, whatever it is that you do for your responsibilities throughout this life to be able to push back a little bit against diet culture. So I'll, I'll dive right in. What The format, I think, is going to be I will, like, read the question that they asked and then read at least part of the way that I responded um, so that you can get a feel for how that looked and how I was able to steer away from 
a stigmatizing, like stigmatizing answers for how people might eat with ADHD. The first question that was asked is, how does or might eating provide stimulation for people living with ADHD? Is it common for people with ADHD to have this issue? So I said, eating isn't just maintenance of energy. It can be checking something off of our to-do list, but it is also satisfying sensory input. It can be a way to break the day into sections, and it's also often a community experience. Something we know about people with ADHD is that they are often impacted by sensory input to a greater degree than someone without ADHD. Because of this, the taste, smell, temperature, texture, and feeling of satiety from eating can all be incredibly satisfying to a person with ADHD. A person with ADHD might be in a state of hyper-focus or have a routine that aids their functioning so that they're fine with the same breakfast day after day for months on end because it ticks several of the sensory boxes for them. On the other hand, they may eat something quick because they're on the go and they have to get to the next thing. But later on, when they have more time, they may spend a lot more time thinking about and planning their next meal so that they can experience those satisfying sensory desires. So I feel like the thing that you can see in that response is that... I didn't immediately link having ADHD with disordered eating behaviors. I gave explanations, non-stigmatizing explanations for why your eating pattern may be different if you have ADHD. The second question is quite generic. It just says, what's the link between ADHD and binge eating? My response to that is, ADHD is pretty incorrectly termed. Rather than being a deficit of attention, it is often an overwhelming focus on one particular thing at a time, which doesn't allow space for other things during that period of hyperfocus. This can lead people with ADHD to skip meals within the state. That can lead people with ADHD to binge later on in the day after their hunger either cannot be ignored anymore, or if they're medicated, especially with stimulants, their medications wear off and their hunger cues return. Your body still needs the calories that it would have eaten during that time, which often will lead to what some perceive as binging. So you can see in that, I used language that, again, wasn't stigmatizing, but also just provided explanations for behaviors that you might see. And again, like, I knew that this wasn't... no. It is rare that someone would take huge chunks of your quotes unless, like, you have, like, a pretty serious presence, um, like, already on online or on social media or in the media in general. So I knew that, like this wasn't going, they weren't going to take huge pieces of this from me, but that there would be something said. Because I was answering really thoroughly, I knew that they were going to try to take something from what I said, because you kind of get better at like these pitches the more that you do them. And I just really wanted one person at least, one person at least, to read through this and be like, oh, wow, there is a different way to think about this. And then maybe have tweaks to their article that reflected that. Uh, So then the next question that they asked was, do all people with ADHD who binge have binge eating disorder? In other words, is it possible to occasionally binge eat and not meet the criteria for this disorder? I'm sure that you have heard us rant on and on about eating disorder criteria. Here is my response. All people with ADHD who binge eat do not have binge eating disorder. Eating disorder criteria across all eating disorder diagnoses is incredibly limited. This means that there are many people who don't fall directly within diagnostic criteria while absolutely struggling with aspects of binge eating disorder. You might have heard the phrase disordered eating or the phrase disordered eating behaviors. These terms are used to discuss some maladaptive behaviors a person may have around food, eating, or exercise that don't amount to a true eating disorder diagnosis, but can absolutely cause distress for people. That answer was like a little bit clinical and straightforward, but I wanted it to be because I just wanted 
people, I wanted the person that was reading it to be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I felt like they had a simple and straightforward question and that I wanted to be as simple and straightforward as I could be with that answer while also pointing out the flaws in our system for diagnosing these things. The next question, I'm I'm skipping some stuff, but the next question that I would love to read my response to is they asked, what are the potential mental and physical effects, positive or negative, of eating as a source of stimulation? And they actually did put um, a note here and they said, rather than focusing on weight gain as a negative outcome, we want to focus more on the impact of the distress slash binge eating cycle, including all potential health and mental health consequences. I was like, ooh, this is cue my opportunity to soapbox. (laughs) So my response was guilt and shame. We live in a world that wants everyone to be controlling their bodies with diets to the nth degree. So if you find that you are binging due to ADHD medications or behaviors, you might feel a lot of undue guilt or shame for your behavior. This pattern over time will lead to poor mental health outcomes for people with ADHD, including increased risk for eating disorders. The most important thing is to get tuned into your body's hunger and satiety cues. If your medication makes it so that you can't eat all day, then expect to eat larger meals in the evening and when when those medications have worn off. There doesn't need to be any guilt or shame. That is literally your body telling you what it needs. So again, really hitting home on the destigmatizing. Um, The next question is, if you think you're eating for stimulation, what steps can you take to address this? Are there any replacement activities you can try? My response, if you think you're eating for stimulation, start by assessing what you've eaten that day and the day before. Have you been on a deadline for something and just not had the time to cook or eat a proper meal? Then your body might keep telling you that you're hungry because it actually needs a balance of protein, fat, and carbs, and you keep feeding it Cheez-Its and Diet Coke. Try having a variety of snacks sitting around you while you work so that when your brain does stop focusing for a second, you've got a variety of stuff right there on your desk to remind you to eat. The other thing to consider is what makes a meal really good to you. Do you love a little spice? Keep red pepper flakes in your house. Do you know that you enjoy when there's something crunchy to your meal? Add nuts to your baked goods, your breakfast, or your salads. If you know that it makes you feel the most satisfied to eat your food super hot, have a microwave available at your office or at home so that you can always reheat. Typically, if you're satisfied in your sensory experience and you're full, you are less likely to go back for more food just for the heck of it. So what I'm saying here is like, Absolutely indulge yourself. If you really like, if you really like something crunchy, like I love something crunchy. I also really, really love my food at like the highest temperature that I can eat it without burning myself. I don't know why. This is just who I am. (laughs) And, and I've gone through phases with like, oh, I really want this to be spicy. And I, you know, so I have different hot sauces or different pepper flakes or whatever in my house so that I can like have the sensory experience that I want from my food. Now for a long time, and, and because of our culture that we live within, like, yeah, adding nuts to something like a salad, you might go, <gasps> but do you know how much fat is in nuts? That's horrible for you. And it's like, okay, but like, can we allow ourselves to like recognize that that's just diet culture telling us that and that someone somewhere along the line decided that nuts were an evil and that we should avoid. And then another person 10 years later just flipped the script and decided that that's what we were supposed to be eating. It's like, there's just no rules and there's no script and nobody knows what we're doing, right? Like, it's just garbage. And so I think paying attention to what it is that you want and need out of your meals and and out of your eating experiences, there's nothing wrong with that. If we can do away with the guilt and shame that I talked about in, in answer to the last question, then we allow space for actually enjoying the food that we're having. And I think restrictive dieting tells us 
that we shouldn't be enjoying it and that we should just eat for fuel. And it, it's, it really messes with your head. And I think with this question, when they said, are there any replacement activities you can try? I imagine people were going to say, oh, try chewing gum because that's a sensory experience. And while that can be helpful for people, I just don't think that like eating for stimulation is inherently a bad thing. I think that if you find that you're bored and you just keep going back to the kitchen and back to the kitchen, you're probably not tuned in with your body cues, especially if you're a person who, after the fifth trip to the kitchen, you sit down and you really regret it because you're like, wow, my stomach really hurts. I did not need those, that last handful of Jesus or whatever it is, right? It's because you're not tuned in, you're not tuned into your body and you keep seeking some sense of satisfaction that you haven't gotten yet. And I think if you can pay attention to what gives you satisfaction with your foods and then you like lean into that, you're going to have a way better overall experience and so much less guilt and shame. And you'll be actually eating intuitively, which is the ideal way to be eating. The last two questions are about finding a suitable therapist who can help. And then the, so they, they asked like, should you work with a therapist for ADHD eating disorder and eating disorder specialist or both? And does this depend on any factors? So the response that I gave, because I felt like, oh, this is my jam, um, <laughs> was like the most important things to look for in a therapist are one, do they specialize in what you're struggling with? And two, do you think you could vibe with them really well? The research shows us that the most important part of making therapy effective is the relationship that you have with your therapist. Do you feel connected to them? Do you feel like you can say what you need to say? Do you feel supported? Are you just, it's a vibe check. It really is. I know that sounds stupid, but that is genuinely what the research indicates to us. Um, So, you know, science said it, not me. Um, And then I also think like it is important to find someone that's specializing in what you're struggling with. And I I believe that as a sex therapist for a million reasons, but like specializing in this area has given, like you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's really important. Same thing with like eating disorders. Like I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, I'm trying out body positivity so I could be an eating disorder specialist. And it's like, no, actually you really can't. Um, There are really important things to know about that and to understand about triggers and the way that an eating disordered brain works and and all of those things that like are actually really important. So I do think paying attention to that is going to be pretty important. And then I said, the other thing to consider is what the severity of your struggle is. Like, if you have ADHD and you feel overwhelmed with significant distress regarding your eating behaviors, it might be best to see a therapist trained in eating disorder treatment. If you're feeling worried but not overly distressed by your ADHD and eating behaviors, finding a therapist that at least says they have a baseline understanding of these issues and you vibe really well with them, that might be good enough. I do urge anyone with ADHD and concerns over their eating habits to find a therapist that states they work from a health at every size lens. This, at a minimum, will ensure that you're not experiencing the judgment of diet culture in your therapy. This is especially important for a person living in a larger body. There's a cultural belief that fat people cannot have ADHD or eating disorders, so finding someone that understands that that's untrue is really important. I mean, right? Like, this is my soapbox all over again. (laughs) Like, it is really important. It is really important that people at least have a basic understanding of, like, what the tenets of health at every size are and that they're not going to stigmatize you for having the body that you have, that they're not going to question that the symptoms that you have aren't absolutely caused by the size of your body. You know, you need to know that they can at least, at a minimum, understand that anyone in any body can have ADHD or an eating disorder. So stand by that is what I'm saying. (laughs) And then the last question is, can getting treatment for ADHD help address eating for stimulation? If so, why or how? Um, And I just said it 
can absolutely help to address eating for stimulation with ADHD because you are likely to have a lot of stress about the behaviors you're engaging in and processing through the beliefs that you have about these things can help you figure out how to best move forward. Even if it means that you don't need to change anything at all, it can help to eliminate any negative thoughts and beliefs that you're struggling with and bring you more peace. So this kind of just goes back and ties it all up into a neat little bow of all of the things that I already said, right? Like you might not be doing anything wrong. You might be eating a crap load at 6 p.m., when your, you know, extended release Ritalin has worn off because you know, like, because you had no appetite all day and now you do and it's time to eat. Um, and that is okay, but you might be feeling a tremendous amount of guilt and stress about that because you didn't put together that that's why that's happening. So a lot of times what our work is in therapy is like, is changing our perspective. It's understanding ourselves better and, and making connections between the behaviors and then like all of the other factors in our lives that are contributing to make those behaviors what they are. Um, and I just, I love that part of my job. That That's the part that feels really tangible. Um, and I just, I love leaving clients with something that they're like, oh my God, you're totally right. Because, you know, it just makes you feel really good and warm and fuzzy. And it feels like, oh, we did the thing. We made the change. We made the connection. They're they're going to be feeling better now with this information in their minds. And then this final piece of what I want to do is I was quoted in this article, um, and I wanted to go through and, like, pull out the quotes that they did pull. I'm not sure if it's, like, allowed that I would read the whole thing, and that might bore you anyway, so I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> so they titled the article, why you might eat for stimulation with ADHD plus how to handle it. So like not over, like I wouldn't say that that's like an overly stigmatizing title. I thought that was pretty decent. Okay. So they lead up to the quote where they quoted me saying ADHD often involves an overwhelming focus on one thing at a time. This period of hyper-focus may not allow space forever for other things, explains Cassie Wilnauer, a licensed professional counselor. People with ADHD may skip meals within this state and binge eat later after their hunger cues return and can no longer be ignored, Will Nauer says. So, hey, there's me. And then towards the end, I believe, of the article, maybe in the middle, um, this is underneath the heading, learn to recognize body cues. Um, the most important step you can take, get tuned into your body's hunger and satiety cues, Will Nauer says. So I got quoted again. That's pretty cool. But also, like... In ways that, like, they didn't take what I said and make it more stigmatizing, which I really appreciate, obviously, like, as a health at every size kind of person. Oh, when to get support. So this is under the heading of when to get support. I'm quoted again. They said, as you vet possible therapists, aim to make sure they walk from a body neutral or, quote, health at every size lens. And then they quoted me saying this will ensure you're not experiencing any diet culture-related judgment and therapy, Will Nauer explains. So, oh, why does it happen? So... They're talking about eating, providing stimulation for people with ADHD. Um, and they said, according to Willnauer, people with ADHD are often affected by sensory input to a greater degree than people without ADHD. And this may help explain why you might find the taste, smell, temperature, texture, and feeling of satiety from eating incredibly satisfying. Yeah. So, okay. So those are all the quotes. So I did get quoted a lot. Like I wrote a lot in it and then I got quoted a lot in it, which like, I'm not saying this to like toot my own horn as much as I am kind of proud of myself, but I also really appreciated that like, this is an article on the website Healthline, which I don't know. I mean, like whatever, but like, it's an article on there that they could have leaned hard into, you know, the links between diabetes and 
heart disease and body size and blah, blah, blah. And like, they could have leaned hard into that. They chose not to. And I don't know. I just, I I really appreciate that. I thought that it was a pretty decent article. I'm going to include a link to it um, if you're interested in reading it. Um, I know that ADHD is a really big topic right now for a lot of people. I think social media has really brought that to light. I am not one of those people who feels like, oh, sure, roll my eyes. Everybody thinks they have ADHD. I'm actually a person who's like, good. Like, let's understand ourselves better. If we can understand ourselves better, we can do better. We can, you know, figure things out on as far as like how to behave differently, behave in ways that really work for us, um, change our behaviors, but also like change our expectations for ourselves and make them reasonable. So yeah, I will include links to obviously our Patreon, but also to this article so that if you're interested in reading it, you can. Um, and I just, we just really wanted to give you a little taste today of like what you get with Patreon. Like there, that was a lot of text. And if blogs aren't your thing, then okay, fair. But um, there's just like a variety of different topics there um, that I, that I post about because I do, I just kind of go through, you know, when I have, when I have a chance, usually about once a week, I just go through the emails that I get from Helper Reporter out and find the ones that I'm like, oh yeah, I'd be, you know, I could really, I could really really answer that one well. Like one of them that I published um, this week on the Patreon is um, how to meet someone in real life because people are always like on dating apps these days. Um, Last week's was the ADHD and eating one. The week before that was one on respecting boundaries, Um, you know, what boundaries are and how you can respect others' boundaries, why that's just as important as setting your own. And then there was one, you know, about mental health and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And there was one that was like, you know, kind of a brief primer on verbal abuse and what that looks like, how you can spot it, things like that. Um, So some of this stuff like just might not mean that much to you or might not really click for you or be important for you. But it is a variety of different topics, usually all kind of, you know, focused around the things that I know about, right? Like sexuality, mental health, stuff like that. But yeah, and there was one back in June that I posted about, you know, sexting and dirty talk and why it's important and how you could be better at it and all that good stuff. So those are the things that I am doing over there. We're having a blast with it. Um, If you sign up for our Patreon, you do still get our absolutely adorable stickers um, that I posted on Instagram. And, you know, they're really cute. And I just love them so much. And um, we did make little peach pins with, like, polymer clay that are so cute. If you can put, like, on a backpack or, you know, purse or whatever. So, yeah, we've got stuff. You know, I really am enjoying doing this. But obviously, it wouldn't be sustainable if it wasn't... (laughs) If we don't make at least a little bit, it's really helpful. helps us pay for our editing because we tried to do that on our own and we do not possess those skills. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, we're not looking to make a ton of money, but if we can at least, I don't know, you know, like support ourselves for the work that we do on this pod, um, because I do feel like it's really important information and, and we're giving a lot of ourselves here. And, you know, again, it's fun, but also like fun doesn't, uh, doesn't pay for the time it takes to do it. So we really appreciate your support. And if, you know, subscribing to Patreon isn't something that you feel like you can do right now, that's completely understandable. Not every, you know, I don't run your budget, but um, you are always able to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcasting platform of choice. So please do that. Thank you so much for listening to Sex at Every Size. If you want more from us, obviously go to patreon.com slash sex at every size. Send us your questions. We don't have much of a podcast if you don't send us your questions about, you know, sex and body image and any of those things, relationships, whatever. Um, you can send those to sex at every size at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at sex at every size. To the extent that this podcast is produced, it's produced by me, Cassie Wilnauer. You can find more from me on Instagram and TikTok at 
Cassie Wilnauer LCPC. We always want to thank Dan with Extension Audio for doing our editing for us. And we will be back next week with a new episode. Bye.